Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It's packed with benefits to help unlock more value from your business purchases. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Dana Perkins, and you're listening to Bloomberg Switched On, the BNEF podcast. In today's show, we talk about renewable diesel. It has potential to decarbonize some of the hard-to-abate sectors. So while all of this talk of vaccines might have some of us dreaming of a beach vacation or when we're going to need to travel for work again, that makes me think about planes, one of the hard-to-decarbonize parts of transportation. Shipping? Just another example. Renewable diesel presents part of the solution, and on this week's podcast, Mark Taylor and I sit down with Daisy Morgabear, an oil analyst here at BNEF. She talks to us about a research note that she recently wrote titled, Renewable Diesel, a Green Light for Refiners. You can find it at BNF Go on the Bloomberg Terminal, at BNF.com, and on BNF's mobile app. And our usual reminder, we do not provide investment or strategy advice, and we have a full disclaimer at the end of the show. But now, let's hear about Renewable Diesel with Mark and Daisy. So we're recording this the day after Thanksgiving or American Thanksgiving, Black Friday for the rest of the world, I guess. It's the official start to the, uh, well, the holiday season, I guess you could say. And Daisy, our, our guest today, was telling us this really cool story about this weird thing or interesting thing that happens in Finland. We're just going to pass it to her to start off the show with this story. So in Finland, there's this initiative that has been running for the last few years now where basically households are encouraged to drop off their fat from their Christmas ham to these recycling points. And then Neste, which is a big Finnish renewable fuels producer, collects that waste fat and turns it into renewable fuel. Okay, they're collecting all of this stuff from, you said ham. Is ham the traditional like Christmas holiday seasonal meal in Finland? Apparently so. Okay, so they're collecting all of this waste byproduct from the ham. And instead of throwing it into some sort of a compost heap, they're sending it off to become renewable diesel. So can you explain to us what renewable diesel is? Renewable diesel is is a biofuel that can substitute fossil-based diesel. And it's sort of big selling point, I guess, is that it's it's so chemically similar to regular diesel that it can be used as a like-for-like replacement in a diesel engine. So other biofuels like ethanol or biodiesel are quite different products. So they can only be blended into regular fuels in small amounts. And so that's kind of why there's a lot of interest in renewable diesel, because it doesn't have that limitation. So being able to use renewable diesel in its pure form, not blended into fossil diesel, is a huge advantage. It um, it means, obviously, there's a lot of carbon savings, but it can also drop in seamlessly to the existing supply chain. So existing engines, transport infrastructure, and also the, the way it's produced has significant overlaps with conventional refining as well. Wait, I think I missed it. Can you explain why it's a like-for-like grade? Basically, it's it's so chemically similar to fossil-based diesel. So it can be used in, in the same engines or the same sort of uh, pipelines. 
So this is new to me because when I think of this, when I first thought, heard the term renewable diesel, I immediately thought of biofuels, which actually have to be blended, do they not? And and can you explain the difference between biodiesel and renewable diesel? So this is um, this is a common kind of confusion. Biodiesel and renewable diesel are two very different products. So they have various similarities, but they also have differences. So on the similarity side, they both displace fossil-based diesel and can both be used in diesel engines. And they also are made from similar feedstocks. So that's anything, any sort of organic oil-based feedstock like vegetable oils or waste fats and greases can both be used to make biodiesel and renewable diesel. But the difference is basically how you process those feedstocks. So the production process results in very different products. You've got biodiesel, which is a chemically different product, and therefore it needs to be blended in small amounts with regular diesel in order for it to to avoid kind of engine damage or performance issues in your diesel engine. Whereas renewable diesel, because it's so similar to fossil diesel, you can use it as a, as a light-for-light replacement. And what are they each made of? So it, it really varies. Basically, it's any kind of oil-based organic matter. So that can range from... Finnish ham waste. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so start. you've got that on one, <laughs> one side of the spectrum. And then on the other, you've got... I think traditionally, when people think of biofuels, they think of crops like soybean or rapeseed oil or palm oil, for example. And obviously, in, in the past, these have... Uh, come up against a bit of scrutiny, not only because of creating higher competition for food resources, but also its land impact, because presumably ramping up supply of these feedstocks for biofuels would necessitate kind of clearing of land. And that's why palm oil's got such a bad rep for its associations with deforestation. But there's a kind of another area of feedstocks, which is kind of growing in focus now because there's a a heightened awareness around the environmental impacts of clearing land and that is waste products so the uh, the ham fat christmas ham is is a a great example of a kind of a leftover or waste fat being recycled into a fuel and some other waste examples are used cooking oil that comes from restaurants and any sort of waste uh, animal fats or grease can be repurposed in this way to make a useful product. Is there enough of this to make a difference or are there other feedstocks that will make a bigger dent in the supply? So this is a question we get a lot, especially with production capacity and interest in renewable diesel really ramping up. Yeah, so question around where is all the feedstock going to come from is a really big kind of uncertainty in the market. And I think producers are acutely aware of this potential challenge, especially with, you know, rising competition in the in the production capacity space. Producers are kind of taking steps to protect themselves from this potential kind of squeeze in supply, particularly where there's a, a, a much greater focus on waste space. In Europe, for example, which has traditionally been based on on more crop-based feedstocks like palm oil, like rapeseed oil. But they're trying to move away from that and move more towards waste-based feedstocks because of their kind of lower environmental impacts. So there's a few things that producers can do to kind of protect themselves against this potential risk. Producers are still investing in R&D to kind of open up other ways of producing renewable diesel. So that would kind of open up a much broader range of feedstocks. So 
One example is something like algae. Another is household waste. So this is currently being piloted on a, on a much smaller scale, but could be one pretty good avenue of supply in the future, which is essentially turning household waste into via a different process to what's currently most commercialized, but turning it into renewable diesel as well as renewable jet fuel as well. Okay, so in the process of making renewable diesel, hydrogen is one of the potential ways we can go about making renewable diesel. Can you explain a little bit more about how hydrogen fits into this equation? There's many ways of making renewable diesel, but hydro treatment is by far the most the most commercialized production route, and that's actually a reason why refiners are such big players in this market. So right now, more than 90% of production capacity for renewable diesel is owned by all refiners. And a big reason behind that is that they already have hydro treatment capability, as well as a well-established supply of hydrogen, because most refiners are able to, to produce hydrogen in a refinery by reforming natural gas. So making renewable diesel is a lot more hydrogen intensive than the conventional refining. And so that actually kind of limits how much renewable diesel a refiner can produce from their existing setup. And renewable diesel production is much more hydrogen intensive than uh, conventional refining. And at the moment, most of this hydro treating or uh, renewable diesel production that refiners are going after will be conventional hydrogen that they've already got the capability to produce. But there are kind of signs that uh, refiners are entering the green hydrogen space as well. And this is particularly the case in Europe. So there's a couple of refineries who are piloting projects to to produce green hydrogen in order to facilitate their renewable diesel production. Just to clarify, green hydrogen is making hydrogen from electrolysis, from power, from renewable sources. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. So Daisy, you know, you mentioned earlier that it was used as um, a feedstock for jet fuel, and that is, you know, air travel is one of those extremely hard to abate sectors. Can we talk a little bit about the benefits from a carbon standpoint? Because this looks like this could be a, a real viable option there, does it not? It's certainly, you know, one of the only or few available options currently that's already available. In terms of carbon savings, renewable diesel is between 50 and 80% uh, reduction in carbon emissions. And that kind of range is basically based on the feedstock. So that comes back to whether you're using a virgin vegetable oil, like soybean, or if you're using waste, which has a, a much, much lower carbon intensity. So yeah, the carbon savings are really huge. The kind of challenge for the aviation sector is that currently renewable jet fuel, which basically kind of related to renewable diesel and it can be produced in the same process. The challenge is that it's currently much more expensive than fossil-based jet fuel. It's between three and four times more expensive. And this year has only exacerbated that issue because 
COVID has really weighed down on demand for flying because of lockdowns. It's put a lot of financial pressure on airlines. So it kind of means they're probably less able or willing to voluntarily spend that extra money on fuel if they don't have to. If it is more expensive and more challenging for airlines in the current environment, what is driving the growth of renewable diesel? Policy is a really important driver for for this market because it is more expensive. And this is the case both on road, so passenger cars and trucks, but also aviation. So historically, aviation has kind of lagged behind in terms of policy support, but it is starting to catch up. So if we look at California, for example, which I always use as a case study because it's got a one of the most kind of comprehensive low carbon fuels programs in place called the Low Carbon Fuel Standard. Last year, it introduced aviation biofuels into this program. So biofuels for aviation could start earning credits, which are, are really valuable as of last year. And since then, the supply of renewable jet fuel has has really grown in the state. So it just kind of highlights the importance of, of policy here. And Another important thing that's happened this year is a tax credit in the US, which is basically a $1 per gallon tax credit, which is applied to renewable diesel, renewable jet fuel, uh, and also biodiesel. That seems to be a pretty big credit, yeah? It's huge, yeah. And this has been a really big factor as to why this year in particular, you've got the combination of COVID really weighing down on refining margins and creating a really difficult environment with low demand for fuels and low margins for refiners, combined with this new tax credit that got introduced at the start of this year and is now in place uh, until the end of 2022, you get this huge divergence in potential margins, whether you're producing conventional fuels or biofuels, and simply because of, of these huge policy incentives. So this is a really big reason why it's happening this year. And secondly, why it's happening in the US in particular. So the US in particular is having a lot of popularity for renewable diesel. Is this both both then in terms of production and in terms of consumption? Yeah, definitely. So these policy mechanisms have really kind of spurred demand, but also it's not just domestic production, but even producers exporting into the US are able to take advantage of these credits. So going back to Neste, the Finnish company, they're actually the sole uh, exporter of renewable diesel into the US right now, and it all goes to California. So that, again, just highlights the kind of big draw of these policy incentives. And would you say they're the biggest player in the market right now? Neste are by far the uh, world's largest producer of renewable diesel and renewable jet fuel. And they're also working on really ramping up their production capacity. So they're working on a big expansion at the moment in Singapore. Is this a traditional refiner as well? Yeah, basically, Neste are originally an oil refiner, a Finnish oil refiner, but they've really kind of uh, evolved their business to be the world's largest producer of renewable diesel and renewable jet fuel. So they have plants in Europe and they also have a plant in Singapore, which they're currently working on a big expansion, which will really ramp up their production capacity, not just of renewable diesel, but also of renewable jet fuel. So is there a chance that I have at this point, whether flying domestically in the United States or internationally, been on a flight that has been fueled by renewable diesel? Yeah, the, the chances are that you that you have. And obviously, at the moment, it's just in small blends, but particularly in Europe. And so KLM, uh, an airline who've been partic- 
politically active in the renewable jet fuel space. But more and more in Europe, countries are looking to implement blending mandates on uh, renewable jet fuel, just like we do on road. So on road, it's not uncommon to have maybe a five or 10 percent blend mandate in your gasoline or diesel. This approach is is being slowly adopted for jet fuel. So Norway were the first country to implement a blending mandate of this type, which started this year. Sweden are following in their footsteps with a blend mandate starting next year, I believe. And there's a couple of other countries in Europe who are also considering a similar approach, like France, for example, have set a target of 2% blend uh, of renewable jet fuel. So is it safe to say that we've not seen even the beginning of the potential growth in this space? It's definitely a market that has a lot of room to grow. You know, the the pace of that growth, I think, will be kind of dependent on on policy. It, like I mentioned before about the cost, this is something that needs to be kind of supported through policy, which is not quite there yet. But we think that you know, as policy starts to be implemented, this will really help the market take off. <laughs> take off. Excuse the pun. <laughs> Unintended. So there's going to be still a carbon footprint to this and there's still tailpipe emissions. So can you describe like kind of what the carbon savings are or, or the environmental impact? Yeah. So the savings when you're looking at uh, renewable diesel or renewable jet fuel is between 50 and 80% carbon intensity reduction versus fossil fuels. So it's by no means a zero carbon fuel, particularly for the aviation sector, because there are kind of few alternatives out there at the moment. So, you know, the two clean energy solutions that spring to mind for aviation would be something like hydrogen or electric planes. And these two options are, you know, either a couple of decades away at least, or in the case of electrification, probably only really feasible for short haul distances. So while it's not perfect by any means, biofuels are considered to be one of the key solutions that are available now, able to drop into existing infrastructure without the need for a complete overhaul in refueling at airports and also the aircrafts. So it is kind of seen as a, you know, a big opportunity. Okay. I'm coming over. Sounds cool. Sounds cool. <laughs> Can I ask one more question about the European policies? Like 2% blending mandates, you know, all that. They're not as aggressive as the California policies. Are they having an effect? Are they having a similar effect of getting companies excited and getting getting after it? Yeah, it's a good point. And like you say, 2% doesn't sound like much. And it's even lower right now in Norway and in Sweden. They're starting really, really low and gradually increasing every year. Um, with really small incremental steps. And it's it's worth noting here, the size of the renewable jet fuel market right now is so small. So it currently accounts for 0.1% of, of jet fuel. So 0.01% of Dana's ride on an airplane recently. <laughs> My ride. Come on, Mark, you travel too. <laughs> we're both expats. Yeah, I guess we're, I guess we're expats <laughs> on this island for the foreseeable future. <laughs> So I think basically policymakers are kind of conscious of not creating mandates that are unachievable or too much too soon because it could potentially encourage the wrong sort of growth. So, you know, things like the EU are looking to phase out their use of palm oil in renewable fuels because historically they've been quite reliant uh, on palm oil to as quite a big contributor to its feedstock mix. So ramping up potential demand quicker than supply could potentially catch up, I think is a bit of a risk 
quite a bit of popularity at the moment for renewable diesel and looking like potentially gaining popularity in the future. So as you started to research this topic, oftentimes we find a lot of answers, which were therefore published in this research note. It raises more questions for us. What were the sorts of things that were raised for you as kind of follow-on questions that you weren't able to get to in the scope of your research for this particular research report? I think the availability of sustainable feedstocks is a huge question that that keeps coming up. And it's one of the, the biggest questions that we get with regards to this big ramp up in, in production capacity. So this is something that, you know, I want to look further into. I think this is something that producers are, are, are really aware of. And you can see that by some of the actions taken by some of the big producers who are sort of trying to you know, take these steps to shore up certainty of supply. Like what are they doing? Yeah. So one of the kind of strategic moves that some of the big players are doing are kind of making these partnerships. So one example is Diamond Green Diesel, which is the biggest producer in the US right now. It's actually a joint partnership between or a joint venture between a US refiner, Valero, and Darling Ingredients. So Darling Ingredients is a company that basically collects and recycles waste fats from restaurants and things like tallow from slaughterhouses. It collects all of this and recycles it. So this joint venture is is really mutually beneficial because Valero or Diamond Green Diesel basically gets this priority access to this highly competed feedstock, which has a really low carbon intensity and gets a lot of rewards. So I think that this could be a growing trend that we see where producers are increasingly positioning themselves to kind of get this priority access to feedstocks. So another example is Neste, who are the world's largest producer. So in June this year, they announced a partnership with McDonald's in the Netherlands. So basically, McDonald's will supply Neste with all of the used cooking oil used to make their French fries in all of its restaurants in the Netherlands. Neste will then recycle this into renewable diesel, and then that fuel will then be used in the trucks that deliver to McDonald's. And so both from a, a kind of transport decarbonization perspective and also a circular economy, this is an area that I, I think will get a lot of attention going forward. And it's, like I said, a, a mutually beneficial partnership. So companies like McDonald's are looking to improve their sustainability and reducing their carbon emissions. And obviously, from the biofuel producer's perspective, this secures supply of a highly sought after feedstock. So it's kind of a win-win. And this model can be re- replicated over many times, not least looking just at McDonald's, who obviously have a, a huge global footprint. So they could kind of replicate this in other countries, but other, also other similar restaurant chains could look to do something similar. And also this, this sort of closed loop concept can also be applied on a city level too. So looking at Neste again, they've launched a partnership with the city of Oakland in California, whereby basically all of the kind of waste cooking oils and greases and other kind of waste fats from the city was collected and supplied to Neste, who will recycle it into renewable diesel, which will then fuel the city's fleet. So yeah, I think this is kind of a cool circular economy, which like I said, could be replicated many times over. And I think is is something kind of to keep an eye on. Yeah. So what it sounds like is we're going to see a lot more efforts to collect any grease and oils and fats, you know, that that exist anywhere in the market that can be taken up before, yeah, finding other feedstocks. Yeah. That's crazy. That's cool. 
Yeah, definitely. I think it's I think it's an area that needs still needs a bit of work to kind of streamline, but there's definitely a lot of attention on it right now. And just the other day, in fact, I saw a um, a biofuels producer in in the UAE has made an app to facilitate the kind of to track and monitor the delivery and collection of used cooking oil from McDonald's restaurants again. So I think this is something that's really going to um, continue going forward, trying to streamline this process and make it a lot more transparent. I know it's different, but this really reminds me of, you know, the, um, it reminds me of Back to the Future and the DeLorean time machine. <laughs> Mr. Fusion? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I could have a DeLorean that is now renewable diesel. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> On that note. <laughs> On that note, Back to the Future, guys. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, let's see how this develops in Finland in the next couple of weeks. We are not too far from the Christmas holiday and the cash cow of renewable diesel coming in to Finland and, you know, maybe Oakland. Daisy, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Today's episode of Switched On was edited by Rex Warner of Greystoke Media. Bloomberg NEF is a service provided by Bloomberg Finance LP and its affiliates. This recording does not constitute, nor should it be construed as, investment advice, investment recommendations, or a recommendation as to an investment or other strategy. Bloomberg NEF should not be considered as information sufficient upon which to base an investment decision. Neither Bloomberg Finance LP nor any of its affiliates makes any representation or warranty as to the accuracy or completeness of the information contained in this recording and any liability as a result of this recording is expressly disclaimed. your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.